0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mind on Mental Health podcast. My name is Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And today, my guest, once again, is Danielle Bellina. Danielle is also a licensed clinical social worker, as well as a senior primary therapist at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health in North Brunswick, New Jersey. Today is the second part of my conversation with Danielle, where she discusses how she utilized DBT skills in order to help her manage her cancer journey. And the skill she largely talks about today is distress tolerance skills. So I hope you enjoy the podcast and find it helpful. All right, so I'm curious about the distress tolerance skills because I can see how there's an obvious correlation there. Uh, you know, we just talked, you know, we talked at length about your initial moments, initially finding out that you had the diagnosis, et cetera, but that's not the only time during this journey, I'm sure, where you needed to rely on some of these distress tolerance skills.
1: Yeah. So
0: can you talk about how how those helped?
1: Yes so there's a couple different skills that i would talk about so the first one i'll explain is the stop skill because it was the very first one that i would say Mm -hmm. other than being in wise mind i had to use so everything in dbt is an acronym it gets broken down to
0: it sure is
1: you know and it's its own little language yes it is so (laughs) um the stop skill is stop take a step back observe and proceed mindfully so I would say in that car ride to my mom's house and in their moving forward every doctor's appointment every chemo every surgery every step of the way I would have to stop take a step back pay attention to what's going on around me and then proceed mindfully and Mm -hmm. I used it every single time so that was the first one is it's literally called the stop skill and it's a stop sign so it's just can't forget that one
0: um Um, so Let's break that down a little bit, yeah. right? So stop, I would think is pretty self-explanatory. To mm-hmm. so you kind of stop whatever you're doing or, you know, mentally stop, I guess. Because like if you're driving, I don't think you just like slam on the brakes and stop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but then the second step is uh, take a step back. So take a step s- back. What's that one mean?
1: That's, you know, take a break from it. Take a mm-hmm. deep breath. Don't act impulsively.
0: Okay observe. Observe. Yeah. Okay. Observe is the next one. So what's
1: that? That one is paying attention to what's going on around you, right? Like what are my feelings? What are my thoughts? What's going on outside? What's going on inside of me? Mm -hmm. Um, What are others saying and doing? Because this one I'll tell you was extremely helpful for me. Anytime I was going into surgery, I would, when I used the SOP skill, okay, I'm scared. They're not. This is what they do on a daily basis, right? Mm-hmm. Like they'd be like, how are you feeling today? I'd say nervous. I hope you're not. Mm-hmm. And they would laugh every time and be like, nope, not nervous. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the idea of like observing. Take a step back. Breathe. You're not the only person in
0: the room, you right, know? Right. So noticing what's happening around you as yeah. well as what's happening inside you? Yeah. Okay.
1: So and then the the next one is – proceed mindfully. So with that, with like noticing what's going on outside, what's going on inside is like, okay, so I'm noticing that they're all confident. Everybody else in the room, these medical professionals are confident. I can proceed knowing that I'm in good hands, right? And as for my mental state or my emotional state, you are feeling really anxious, Danielle. How do we proceed mindfully with that? Let's get up, let's move our body, let's run in place, let's breathe, let's pray, whatever it is that we're gonna do, to calm ourselves down, I'm proceeding now with my wise mind, mindfully in that moment.
0: So I've always said that when it comes to a lot of the things that we treat at Princeton House, whether it's substance use or um, you know severe depression or even anxiety to some extent, a large portion of treatment is like developing that two second delay between whatever's happening and whatever your reaction to that is going to be behaviorally. And that really sounds basically to me like what this is. Am I incorrect in saying that?
1: I would agree with you a
0: thousand percent. Okay. So it's like building that, that it's like hitting the pause button. Yep. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense to me. All right. So, so that's the first sort of distress That's the first. tolerance skill that you mm-hmm. found helpful. What what other ones are there?
1: So the next one which was probably one of the most difficult pills to swallow was radical acceptance. Yes. Um in all reality radical acceptance when when we teach it I feel like we get a big reaction from patients with this one because yes. it's not no one it's not fun, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So radical acceptance is the concept that like you have to accept something fully, like physically, emotionally, you have to accept it all the way, complete and total. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because if you don't accept something fully, you're not you're not able to use the skill appropriately. So it's like um, the way I explain it to the patients. Well, you know what? I'll explain it with my journey. So I explained that I had BRCA1, right? Mm-hmm. So – Because I'm BRCA1 positive, because I was triple negative, it was – they needed to treat my cancer aggressively because I had an aggressive form of cancer and I have a gene mutation that makes me at higher risk for other cancers, right? Is that what BRCA1 is? BRCA1 is a gene mutation. Okay.
0: Okay.
1: Um, So there's a couple different cancers that fall into – Braca and I am no oncologist, but the ones that I know, hey, I needed me, to protect. Let me tell you
0: something. You're more of an oncologist than I am, that's for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, explain as much as you can, because yeah, yeah.
1: So I needed, I knew that I needed to protect myself, which is the reason why I got a double mastectomy instead of just like a lumpectomy, mm-hmm. but is because I had a higher chance. I have a very high risk because of BRCA1 of having breast cancer mm. in either breast, right? Then I also have a high risk of ovarian cancer, pancreatic, prostate. There's a couple that, different, that go in there, but the three highest ranking for BRCA1, and you could see this all on Penn's website, we have a whole mutation unit. We have a whole testing unit that we do for genetic testing. I did do my genetic testing through Penn Mm. and there's support and all sorts of stuff there as well. But it does say that the three major ones for that one are breast, ovarian, and then prostate. And those are the three for BRCA1. So I obviously could do something about the first two, right? right? So if I decided that I wasn't going to accept the fact that I had Braca, we may be having a very different conversation right now, right? Like I had to fully accept this. I had to understand that these things could kill me and I have to do something about them. I can't avoid it. I have to do it fully. And saying to myself, oh, okay, you know, this is kind of scary. Wasn't enough. I had to commit. And again, this is my journey. Every person who's ever had cancer, every person who's ever been tested as mutation has their own journey. Totally. This is Danielle Bolina's journey. Mm-hmm. So I had to make the commitment for myself that I'm going to do the double mastectomy. I'm going to do the most aggressive chemo to keep myself safe. And then I'm going to have a hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. And I did all of those things because that was me radically accepting and doing what I needed to do to keep myself alive.
0: Mm-hmm. So... I like what you said before. And actually, this is something that I've been doing a lot of reading on and thinking about and going to trainings for is like the um, acceptance and commitment therapy. The way that I think about this, uh, which I think is a large part of what you're saying is like when you talk about suffering, there's like two things, right? There's um, the pain of whatever it is that you're going through. And then there's the resistance to that thing. And I think with radical acceptance, really what the aim is there is to eliminate as much of that resistance as possible. Because that can cause as much suffering as the initial whatever it is, almost. A thousand percent, Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Matter of fact, I was just thinking, I I just put together this presentation on um, anxiety disorders. And um, like the third slide in it's it says it just says acceptance sucks uh yeah. <laughs> because you know we have a tendency i think and you know you mentioned your patients doing the eye roll when you bring that up yeah i totally get that man it's mm-hmm. like you know hey just accept that you know you're going to have panic attacks for the rest of your life who wants to hear that you know mm-hmm. or just accept that uh you have you just it was a unlucky roll of the dice that you have this genetic mutation um uh, mm-hmm. All these things are like really hard pills to swallow. So it almost feels invalidating to just tell people to accept something. And that's why I think it's really a skill that you have to work on. It's not like I, um, you can just snap your fingers and make up your mind that you're going to accept all this stuff. It's like a skill that you have to work on every day as much as, you know, meditating or deep breathing or exercising or whatever. I don't
1: know. You are a thousand percent correct. And the way that I presented to the patients and, you know, I've been teaching DBT for almost four years by the time I was diagnosed, right. you know, so I know a lot of the skills at the time, but radical acceptance, even though it's accepting your mind, your body, your heart, like fully, it is not, it does not mean that it's approval, that it's love for whatever's going on, mm-hmm. that it's... A, like against change it doesn't mean any of those things you don't have to necessarily like it
0: you right. know
1: it's just kind of the position you're in i didn't have to like getting a cancer diagnosis mm. at 37 years old but that's where i was so that that's what happened you know mm. like and if i avoided it i don't know where i'd be right now and it's this is like a pillar for me because i try so hard on a daily basis to just radically accept different changes mm you know, with my body, with my mind, with my life after a cancer diagnosis, you sure. know, but it's, you're right. It does. It seems like a very nasty thing to say to a person. Oh, you've been through this. You need to accept it. Right. Of course. And, and that's not what DBT is implying, but also it's like the way I explain to the patients is if, if you fell down a well, right. And you, there were spiders for like just this whole section of the well there's just a small section that has spiders and you can see your way out and you know you can climb out of the well right and Mm. but you see the spiders and you're scared of them do you say to yourself you know what i'm not going to climb past the spiders i'm just going to live in this well for the rest of my life (laughs) no you climb past the spiders to get Mm. out of the well. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to get a mastectomy. I'm going to get a hysterectomy. I'm going to do chemo because I want to be alive. But in order to do that, I have to radically accept that is what I have to do. This is part of the diagnosis, Mm. you know?
0: Totally. And again, like at the risk of sounding invalidating to people who have been through really hard things, like you do have a choice about how you're going to react to something when it presents itself And if that is to get into a place of despair and anxiety, then that suffering is going to be way worse than if you choose to try to accept the situation and deal with it. Because then, you know, look, in your case, I would imagine like dealing with cancer is always going to suck pretty much no matter what, right? Like Mm -hmm. there are certain things you have to do. There are surgeries that you got that... I would imagine just sucked. And mm-hmm. um, basically you have a choice. Like if you are constantly, if you're constantly resisting that and saying, why did this happen to me? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want this. Then your suffering is just going to exponentially increase. Um, yes. Yeah. And anyway. Uh, yeah.
1: And that doesn't mean I didn't do that because I did that too. Cause that's the whole wise mind.
0: Hey, Hey, And that's why Mm -hmm. I'm saying it's a skill Yeah, because, you know, we all do that. And it would be silly to think that that, those thoughts and those feelings wouldn't come up if you have a diagnosis uh, like that. Or, you know, if you go through anything hard, you know, you get into a car accident and one of your kids dies or whatever, it's like.
1: Yeah. And actually what you're talking about pertains a lot to like, Uh, the skill turning the mind. So they go together in like distress tolerance and turning the mind is like legit as simple as it sounds. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the concept that you have – two pathways. Like if you imagine yourself in a fork in the road and you can go down the part that your brain wants to, or typically did before, and it's negative or scared or whatever it is, or oblivious, because sometimes mm-hmm. that's fun too. Um, or it can go down the acceptance road, right? Mm-hmm. So it's your choice what you do, but the more you bring yourself back, towards the acceptance road, the more you're going to be more willing to accept what's going on. Mm -hmm. And like I was saying that the wise mind of it all and the acceptance part of it is that like example would be I had to go, I did 15 chemos, right? I never left my house When I was not in tears on my Mm. way to chemo, Mm -hmm. every single time Mm. I cried, every surgery I cried, Mm. I was terrified, but I knew I had to give myself space. It was my time to cry. Don't Mm. bother me. Don't interrupt me. I'm gonna cry the whole way there. And when I get there, if I feel like crying, I'm gonna, but I walked in every single time. I was happy to see my oncologist. Mm. I loved her. So it was like. It's this idea of like maybe making time and space for it. Maybe both Mm -hmm. things can be true. I could be scared and also still do it. So it just means that like I radically accepted what Mm -hmm. was going on and I took both sides of
0: it with me. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. It's, um, And I guess that's what I was talking about. Or trying to trying to talk about maybe failing before is that like acceptance is ugly sometimes, right? It is. Yeah. You um, you can be a mess when you're leaving your house every time and Mm -hmm. and go and you know, be crying and be upset. Like that to me is acceptance. It's not all sunshine and rainbows all the time. No. Um, Okay, we're still on distress. We're on distress tolerance skills here. Is there is there another one that we should talk about?
1: Yes, um, there's willingness, which is another um, another really fun one. Distress tolerance has a lot of really great gems in them, uh, in it. But it okay. also has like some of the most triggering things. Because like you said, it's can feel invalidating for someone to be like, okay, so this is upsetting. You also have to accept it. Right. Um, so in the same thing, it has willingness. So willingness is – wholeheartedly doing something the same way as radical acceptance. Like you have to fully do it. You have to be fully willing to engage in whatever you're doing. So Mm -hmm. it says willingness is readiness to enter and participate fully in life and in living. Right? So there's a difference between willingness and willfulness, right? Mm -hmm. So the way that willfulness kind of plays out is a lot of wanting to be in control. I don't want things to be this way, so I'm not going to do it. You know, it's kind Mm -hmm. of like imagining yourself as a little kid digging your heels in. I always give the example to my patients that, like, imagine a child saying, I want Skittles. And you say to the kid, okay, we can have Skittles, but there aren't any in the house, so we have to go to the store. And the child's like, nope, not going to the store. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what do you mean? You want Skittles. We don't have any. It's kind of like you won't do the thing you need to do to get what you want. Mm -hmm. So you're being willful, Right. right? So in my situation, it would be like, nope, not going to chemo today. Guess Mm -hmm. what? Not going to surgery. It's like, where is that going to get me, right? Um, And there was a lot of things that I had to do willingly. Like it it was – I found ways to make things kind of – Acceptable to me in a way where, like, I found some sort of enjoyment. So I used mm. aspects of who I am and, you know, aspects of DBT to do that. So, an example would be like, Um, when I shaved my head, that was probably Mm. one of the worst experiences of all. I apologize. It may or may not sound shallow, but anyone who has ever had cancer understands it's not fun when your hair is falling out in clumps. I totally
0: get that. I'm super shallow. So,
1: yeah, (laughs) so so I didn't realize how shallow I was until it started falling out. And I was like,
0: no, not happening. You know what, though? Let's pause for a second because we're obviously. I honestly don't think that that's shallow. No, at not all. at all. Like not at all. Of course, of course. Like you looking different than the way you looked your entire life is is going to affect you emotionally. Anyway, that was just a little disclaimer. I think people yes. know we were being sarcastic, but go ahead.
1: God. Also it's kinda of, yes, absolutely sarcastic uh, because also in that is like I now look like a walking representation of cancer. Total
0: oh sure. Yeah, I could imagine That's that, of course
1: radical acceptance at its mm-hmm. finest. Right. So right. I I didn't really really wanna do that. Um But I didn't do it in the beginning. So I tell this story because it's, I think other people can understand it. And I I had a hard time. I really did. And what I decided I was going to do is put my hair, I cut it short, like my oncologist told me, and then I put it in like a ponytail on the top of my head. And I was willing to shave the bottom of it. All right, let's get rid of the bottom of it and I'll see how I feel. Didn't make me feel any better. But then as a result of that, which is what happens when people are willful instead of just kind of going through what they need to go through my hair got completely matted to the top of my head because I refused to touch the ponytail Mm, mm. because I knew if I touched my hair it was going to come out Mm. and I remember thinking to myself seriously Danielle you just you just gotta do it and it is such an amazing example of like something seems so scary and I cried the entire time we start Mm. I was with my family um my significant other actually had COVID at the time and so i wasn't allowed to be home with them um so we were all on facetime Mm -hmm. but after i did it it was such a massive accomplishment and massive relief because i stopped being willful and i was willing i knew it i Mm -hmm. knew that my hair falling out meant that chemo was working meant that my if there was god forbid anything left in my body It was being attacked and Mm. I knew it. Mm. So it was kind of like, all right, we got to embrace this. So Mm. I, from then on I did, but willfulness kind of keeps you stuck where you are.
0: Mm. Yeah, I I don't even know what to say. I mean, that's just – what a great example. Um...
1: Yeah, it's it's tough because you want to be in control. And I did. I tried. I tried to control – the hair falling out. I thought maybe if I don't brush it, maybe if... Well, you know what? Guess what? I didn't have control over it. But you know what? I did have control over taking the razor and shaving my head, um, and and then thereafter, how I decided to feel about it. You know, and it, it wasn't great. I didn't want to look like that, but that's where we were at. You know. Mm-hmm. So um, that, in in a nutshell, is pretty much explaining the difference between like willingness and willfulness.
0: Yeah, struggling to really even respond to some of these things. I'm just kind of blown away by how good these examples are. Um, Thank you. No, really. I, mean, I thought awesome.
1: a lot about this, and mm. I truly believe, and I I had mentioned this to you before that like I didn't know what to do with what was going on in my mind during this journey because I was sure. in this really interesting place of being a therapist. Yeah, of course. And also mm. going through this journey, and I mm. that's where my mind went because that mm. was what was helpful for me. This is what I do professionally. So I was like, let's think about this. How do we make something good out of what we've been through? Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought a lot about it and I applied the skills as much as I possibly could um, to just kind of understand and get through. But even more than me, it was explaining it to other people. Mm. And I felt like I didn't want to do, and my oncologist steered me in the direction of like, she explained to me that sometimes when you go to support groups or you follow things online, you then see other people who are relapsing or other people who have something similar and no two people are exactly right. the same.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's, it's risky in that way. Mm. And that works for certain people, but it doesn't work for the way mine mind works. Mm. And I'm also, I try really hard to be a positive person. So, me crying about it wasn't going to be effective for me. I Mm. I could process on my own time. And listen, it sucks to be told you have cancer. Mm. I don't need to hear it from someone else who feels like it sucks to have cancer. Right, right. You know, so it was like, well, these DBT skills are specifically created that patients do not process in group. We teach these skills and it's like, here's the skill. This is how it works. Use it, Mm. you know. Um, So that's what I did. But, um, you know, there's a lot of glitches in the system and me doing it at times. But I was fortunate enough that I knew enough about it that I could bring myself back, you know. But I do wish that DBT was taught to people, their family members, someone with a diagnosis. I don't people who have had trauma. DBT is effective for anybody. Mm. Use the skills. Mm. That's
0: it.